And we just thank the worship team again for that great uh, time of worship. Josh, Josh G, the real Josh G's first time leading here at the Father's house. So, man, really, really enjoyed that, my friend. Thank you so much. Again, thank you to each and every one of you for coming today. We're going to continue our Love Unstoppable series. If you'd like to follow along in your paper notes, you can find paper notes on the table in the center of uh, the room next to your seats there. We also have digital notes for those joining us online. You can follow along on our app as well. And uh, we are going to just look at what it means to see a healing love, a love unstoppable when it comes in contact with a broken love. And we're going to just look at an amazing example of that in Scripture today. But before we do, I'm going to ask, does anyone ever watch a Shark Tank? Any of you guys ever watch that, uh, that show? Right, and you see the, you see the inventions, right? That people come up with, and you're like, "Ah, oh, man, why didn't I think of that? That is so simple." But yes, we need one of those. And there was one uh, a little while ago that I thought this is this is just brilliant. This is a, a no-brainer, and it's called the skinny mirror. The skinny mirror. Now there is there is proof right here, science, that there is fat mirrors, normal mirrors and skinny mirrors, and depending on the wave of the mirror or the angle of the mirror, it can actually make you look skinny. And this, this woman's whole invention was to basically say, well, I want to sell this to retailers, as you can imagine, because when you're trying on something in the dressing room and all of a sudden you're like, oh, this makes me look really skinny. I like this a lot. And of course, the Shark Tank team, they're like, but what about when they go home and they look in a real mirror, right? And so she, then she, she was ready for this. She was like, well, not only does it increase sales for retailers that have already bought the mirror, 18%, as you can imagine, um, but it also makes, uh, this was specifically about women, it makes them feel better about themselves. Even when they get home and look in the mirror with their skinny mirror, they, they actually feel better about themselves because, as it turns out, women think that they are two to three times larger in size than they actually are. So that's good news for all of us in here today. If you're looking for some good news, you're smaller than you think you are. And, and this, is, this is amazing, though, because I just, just get that concept. It, women that look into a skinny mirror automatically make themselves feel better, right? Because we are what we look at. But most women and men all across the board, we're looking into broken mirrors, we're looking into mirrors that are false. We're looking at our iPads and our phones, and we're looking at broken people that are supposed to define us. And so we're not even getting accurate representation of who we are. So even though, obviously, that skinny mirror is distorted, by looking at a good version of themselves, they realize they feel good. What we look at, we will look like. And that's kind of the, the idea here today is that I want to ask us, what are the broken mirrors that you might be looking into? What are the, the examples in society and culture on the internet, maybe even your own family, that are lying to you about who you are? Because the truth is, is that broken things break things. Hurt people hurt people. But healed people, healed people, and loved people, love people. And that's why at the top of your notes, Jesus says this to his disciples, John 13, 34, love one another even as I have loved you. 
He says, the eyes are the window to the soul, so here's what I want you to look at. I want you to look at not the brokenness around you or in you. Here's what I want you to look at. I want you to look at this love. I want you to look at the mirror of my love and let that define you. What would change in our lives if instead of looking at all the brokenness around us and the brokenness within us, we looked at the wholeness of Christ's love for us? He says, when you look at my love, you're going to automatically have that love for those around you. Because what we look at, we look like. So just think about what we spend most of our time looking at. No matter, no, no wonder we have such a broken world. Right? And our God is saying, no, no, if you look at me, you're going to have love for each other. If you look at brokenness, guess what you're going to have for others? Nothing but brokenness. And it's going to perpetuate. And our God is saying here with a love unstoppable, what we look at, we look like. So what if we spent our time from this moment forward looking into the eyes and the heart and the life of love? That's why this whole series, we're, we're doing this. We're looking at what it means to pursue a love unstoppable. And our God wants to give us an example of that, of how our reaction to His love is going to be loving each other. And is there anything that can heal a broken world more? than the unconditional love of our Father, than God's unstoppable love that is able to go into the worst and the hardest and the most broken of places and make us whole again. I want to start out by sharing, we've been reading in our journal reading here at the Father's house, we, we go through something called a life journal, and I want to invite all of you to grab one out there on the Connect counter. But every day we're reading through, and re lately we've been reading through the life of David and of Saul and of Jonathan. And I want to share this story about a man who was broken. Straight out of Scripture, and it starts like this. They don't ever get visitors. Who is this knocking at the door? They purposefully distanced themselves from everyone. No one ever came unannounced. Because of his childhood injuries, he couldn't even get up to see who was at the door. So he sent his son Micah to answer the door and find out who was there. Well, he didn't see him by face, but he certainly heard what he said. I am Ziba, representing the king of all Israel, King David, and he demands to see Mephibosheth now. It sent cold shivers up his spine because he realized his past had finally caught up with him. There was no room to resist as the, the king's guards came in and, and grabbed Mephibosheth and his son and put them into the royal chariot on the rough road back to Jerusalem. It brought him back to that most painful day when he was only five years old. How could he know that everything in his life would be changed on that fateful day? You see, his name wasn't originally Mephibosheth. It was Mephibael which means warrior against the false gods. That was a good name. He no longer held that name. Why? Because on that day, so many years earlier, a messenger come running into the royal palace and said, King Saul and his sons are dead. King Saul and his sons are dead. How could a five-year-old even comprehend or process something like that? All of a sudden, his grandpa Saul, his father, Prince Jonathan, all of his uncles, all dead in one fell swoop. And then he was to find out that they were now coming to wipe out the lineage of Saul. 
which included this little boy. And the nurse did what all the nurse only knew how to do, which was to scoop up Mephibail into her arms and to run as fast as she could before David and his armies got there. And as she ran, she tripped and fell and lost grip of the poor Mephibail. And he ends up crashing down on some rocks that end up injuring his spine and breaking his feet so that he would never be able to walk unassisted again. And even as that brought that back to that, his memory, he looked over to his son sitting next to him and thinking, he doesn't deserve this. This isn't his fault. Why should he die for the sins of his fathers and his grandfathers? But he knew there was no doubt he was going to his death. Because why would King David keep him alive when his grandfather had tried to kill him? He no longer had that name, warrior against false gods. Now he only knew himself by the broken near he'd been staring in ever since that fateful day. Mephibosheth, he was a son of shame. What could possibly turn this around for him? And yet, we're going to see what a love unstoppable does. It comes in contact with the broken, wounded, In fact, you can fill it in your first blank here. We, just like Mephibosheth, have been called out of hiding. Called out of hiding. This is where God wants to restore our broken identity. God wants to call us out of hiding, and we all hide behind certain things. And what God's love wants to do is call us out of hiding, not to expose us, but to exonerate us. Not to shame us, but to free us. And it starts with remembering who we are. So we pick up here in the scripture in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and it says, the king asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul? To whom can I show God's kindness? And Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Well, where is he? The king asked. And Ziba answered, he is at the house of Maker son of Amiel and Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar from the house of Maker, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said to Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. And look at this next verse, verse 7. This is not what he saw coming. He said, don't be afraid. You see, when you, when you and I are looking in a broken mirror, when all we see is brokenness, guess what is the result of that? Every encounter has fear at its base. They're going to reject me. They're going to insult me. They're going to malign me. I have to earn or curry their favor. Somehow I've got to work myself into acceptance in this place. Fear is at the base of all of that. I love that David's first words, with all the power and all the reason to absolutely end the line of Saul, what does he do? He says, don't be afraid. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. Instead of showing him brokenness, what did he do? He showed him love unstoppable. He called him out of hiding, not to end him, but to free him. And the God of the universe wants to do the same for you and I and those watching online right now. What's to call us out of hiding? Why did he do it? For the sake of your father, Jonathan. 
I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dog like me? Do you see what he was? He'd been looking into that broken mirror for so long, he didn't see himself as anything less. Not just a dog, but a dead dog. I mean, a dog is low. A dead dog is about as low as you can get. And that's how he saw himself. And you and I, maybe we feel that way when we get really down to it. Of course, we're here in church and we're smiling and we're singing, but how many of the times are we looking in the mirror and only seeing a dead dog? We're only seeing the worthlessness instead of our worthiness in the light of his love unstoppable. And David said, you're welcome to my table. And why was he doing this? Again, it wasn't just because he was being friendly or he was being nice. No, you guys remember, David had made a covenant with Jonathan. And he said, if I live, I will care for your generation. All the kids coming after you, I will look after them. A covenant is not just an agreement. It's not just, yeah, you know, while I feel like it, I'll go ahead and follow through on it. No, a covenant is this lifelong choice that we have to make over and over again, even against what we feel like. David could have absolutely felt like taking revenge for all the years he had run for his life from King Saul, but he held to a covenant because David was a covenant man before a covenant God. And he knew that if he didn't keep his covenant to Jonathan, even though Jonathan was no longer alive, that he would be sinning before his God. In a world where you and I are looking in broken mirrors, covenants are hard to find. It's hard to find anybody that will actually follow through on a covenant promise. And yet this is exactly what our God is calling us to do because what we look at, we look like, and when we look at God's heart, we see a covenant love. He has made a covenant with us and He said, I will love you even when you turn against me. I will love you all the way to your brokenness and back to healing. You ever ask yourself, what is that new covenant that God made with us? It's up here on the screen, Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. He says, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will move from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'm going to take away your broken mirror. He's saying, I'm going to give you a new heart. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. Be careful to keep my laws. I love this. I was reminded of this most recently when my brother-in-law made a covenant agreement in front of all of his friends and family with Jessica. In fact, can we welcome the newlyweds here? David and Jessica right here. (laughs) Mr. and Mrs. Close. It was such an honor and a privilege to be a part of that moment with them. And it wasn't just an agreement, it was a covenant for life before God. And they acknowledged the only way we can do this is with God. But there was this really special moment where my twins, Justice and Jackson, were the ring bearers, right? And I, I think we have, yeah, that moment right there where he, I mean, these are, this is not like trinkets, this is not like, you know, Cracker Jacks or something. This is the real deal. This is pricey stuff. And Uncle David is handing that stuff over to Justice and Jackson. And they're like, I wonder if we feel that same way. 
with the people in our lives. Something precious has been entrusted to our care. And with everything that was in them, they knew they had to get those rings from where they were at to where uncle was standing so that they could make a covenant. There was even a little bit of a covenant right there where they had to agree, as the ring bearers, we will take care of these rings upon our own life, we swear. They didn't do that, but you understood. They, they, They felt the weight of it, right? I wonder if we feel the weight of it. I wonder if we understand how important it is that when, when our God has made a new covenant with us, given us a new heart and a new spirit and the fill, fullness of the Holy Spirit and holiness to be set apart unto Him, that can only happen through covenant. And just like my boys with those rings and just like when, when uh, David put the ring on his bride, Jessica put the, the ring on her husband, I wonder if we can go back to that place of understanding that whether we're sitting in a service like this or we, for the rest of, you know, where we wake and work and worship, that we would understand we are a covenant people that have been entrusted a precious, precious thing. And our world treats everyone like so much trash to be thrown out. Nothing more than a dead dog if you've failed me. But David, David shows us the heart of God, the love of Jesus. So I have to ask you today, we're going to be able to love others, be able to be a covenant people taking care of the broken in our lives, we have to, first of all, deal with the brokenness in our own lives. We have to acknowledge which broken mirrors we have been finding our identity in. Our community builder discussion question for you, those of you at home, for your house churches this week, for your families around the dinner table, where's my broken mirror? The past mistakes? How often do you look at those? present pain? What are you going through right now? Future challenges. Is there fear there when you're looking at your future? How does God's covenant change how you see yourself? Because he made a covenant with you. He said, I've given you a new heart. I've given you a new spirit. I've given you my Holy Spirit, so there's literally no place you can go where my presence is not with you. And I've called you to a life of holiness set apart unto the Lord because I've taken your broken things if you'll let me have them and I've made you whole through my love. You know how you can tell if you're looking into the broken mirror instead of into his love? There's a tension in your conversation. There's an edge to your voice. There's a tendency to maybe raise yourself up above others. There's an insecurity. There's a need to prove yourself. All of these things rise out of looking into the wrong reflection. Sometimes we don't even know that we've been doing it. But where there's tension, pay attention because that's a place of brokenness that God wants to heal. I remember I was kind of reeling from some conversations that I'd had as a pastor um, that were really, really hard. Some people that had uh, that had, um, told me why they didn't like me, why they didn't like the church, and that they were leaving. And, you know, I've been doing this for over 20 years, so I thought I'm good, I'm fine, it's hard, but I gave it to the Lord. At least that's what I thought. And so I went to this local coffee shop to uh, study, 
And we were doing this thing called keto, you know, where you like want to, you know, cut down on the carbs. And so um, instead of half and half, I wanted some heavy cream in my coffee. I just wanted to work on the message and just forget what had happened. And so I ordered uh, iced coffee, and I said, can I get heavy cream? And they said, no, you can have half and half. And I assumed, oh, maybe this coffee shop doesn't have heavy cream. And then I saw literally in the fridge behind me them pouring heavy cream in someone else's coffee. And I go, oh, you, you see that heavy cream right there that, that that barista just used? Can I just get a little bit of that in my coffee? And they were like, no, you can't. You can use half and half. I said, but it, it's right there. It kind of just like, just get a little bit. I'd rather have that because I'm trying to, you know, cut down on the carbs. And, and they're like, no, you, you can only have the half and half because you have to order that drink. I said, oh, which drink gets that stuff? And then they pointed to the, to the menu. I paid $3.50 for my drink. This was a $7 drink that included vanilla syrup. And I said, I'm really trying to stay away from the sugar. I just want the heavy cream. Could I just get like a little? I don't want to pay $7 uh, they said, well, the only way you're going to get heavy cream is if you order that drink. So I said, I'm, so, I'm going to have to pay twice as much in order to get the heavy cream, and I don't even want the vanilla. If I don't get the vanilla, but I get the heavy cream and I get the iced coffee, can you change the price back to what I already paid before? And they're like, no, we can't change the price for you. And at that point, I just, thankfully, I, I didn't raise my voice because I was a barista, so I know exactly how annoying customers like me are in those moments like that. They were just doing whatever the rules were for their, their coffee house. And so I said, thank you. And then I walked away with my half and half and my iced coffee. And uh, I sat down, and the Holy Spirit immediately said, you've been looking in the wrong mirror, John. It's not about heavy cream. It's about your heavy heart. And you're carrying this around with you, and you're going to take it out on everybody else around you until you actually let me have it. See, I'd been looking in the broken mirror of what people perceived me as, what they thought me as, what they compared me to other people as. And the longer we look into everyone else's definition of us, the longer we're not only going to stay broken, but we're going to break others. And what Jesus needed me to do was to bring it back to him. And so I had to get real with the emotion, the rejection, get honest before the Lord, and enter what? Enter that covenant place again where he gave me a new heart, removing the heart of stone, giving me a heart of flesh, filling me with his spirit, where I knew that there's going to be some people that are not going to like the church I was pastoring. They're not going to like me but that's not the mirror that I'm looking in. I'm looking into him. And just like Mephibosheth in front of a king who could have crushed him, instead welcoming him, God called me out of hiding behind that place of rejection and into a place of wholeness and holiness. And that's what God wants to call you to. So I would just ask you, where's that tension been? Where's God calling you out of hiding? What is it that you might be hiding behind that God wants to heal you from. The second thing he calls us to is he calls us to the table. This is reconciling broken relationships. So first of all, we are reminded of who we are, and then we are reminded of whose we are. We belong to God. I love how King David doesn't even respond to his comment about being the dead dog. He doesn't even give it any room. 
We come to God with our list of reasons of why He can't use us, and sometimes God just immediately skips over that to tell us what it is that He's providing for us. The king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always, there's that covenant word right there, always eat at my table. You guys know you've been given that access, right? There's literally no point, no matter how bad your week was, no matter how much you sinned, where through Christ you can't come back to the table, where he doesn't want to restore and reconcile a broken relationship with you. This is amazing. He will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate it. David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And this verse right here gets me every single time. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. And almost as an afterthought, it says, he was lame in both feet. I just love that. Within the span of one conversation, he went from the trash heap to top of the heap. Within one conversation, he went from the broken mirror to the mirror of love. It changed him forever. Within one conversation, years of false and broken identity were healed and transformed simply because the person in power said, I am making you a part of me. We've talked about it before that in in those times, uh, to have someone around your table was to say they are family, not just to guess, your family. You belong to my family. This is what David was saying, restoring identity, not just for him, but for his son Micah and every generation after him. Do you realize this? This is so powerful. When you and I get healed, it's not just for us. It's for everyone that's coming after you. If I didn't listen to Jesus at that coffee shop, guess what would have happened? I would have taken that from that barista and would have taken it home to my boys. And God didn't want me to do that. Because he didn't want me to bring that brokenness any farther than it needed to go. What defined him at the forefront of his thinking was now an afterthought. Oh yeah, and he had two feet that didn't work. It would almost be like saying, I am loved of my heavenly Father. I am the proud husband of a beautiful wife named Cindy. I'm the proud father of five amazing boys. I pastor an incredible church called the Father's House. Oh, and I'm wearing black shoes. Out of all of those descriptors, which one of those things do you think define me the most? Right? You see, I am not, he was no longer defined by his brokenness. That was now an afterthought. Wouldn't it be amazing if you and I moved forward instead of victims to our past, we were now victorious in those very places of brokenness? That God could redefine, reconcile us to broken relationships. Because if He can do it for us, He can do it for others. And a lot of times, it's going to happen around the table. Luke 14, Jesus says this. He turned to His host, verse 12, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, He said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they'll invite you back. And that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, 
And then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you in fighting those who could not repay you. Jesus was going after a cultural norm right here. We wouldn't really necessarily understand it, but every culture has discriminated against the physically impaired and kept them from the table. Consider for the example the messianic rule of the Qumran community. No man smitten in his flesh or paralyzed in his feet or hands or lame or blind or deaf or dumb. No old and tottery man, uh uh-oh, unable to stay still. Don't let them into the congregation. Or consider the exclusion rules in Leviticus, datable in its present form to the return of the Jewish leadership from captivity. No one who has a blemish shall draw near. No one who is blind or lame, who has mutilated face or a limb too long, or one who has a broken foot or a broken hand or a hunchback or a dwarf. So delinquents, derelicts, and deformed, none of them are allowed at the table. And yet, did you see how David formed his mighty men? from a group of people just like that. You see, when David invited Mephibosheth, the the grandson of his enemy, to his table, he was telling his kingdom then, and Jesus is telling his kingdom now, this is the kind of people we are. We invite those to the table that no one else wants. Because that's how we see relationships reconciled and healed. Think about it. Moving forward. Weather is getting good. People are starting to be more comfortable to be around and, and, and shared spaces again. Can I just challenge your guest list? You mind if I do that? First of all, make sure you've invited me, especially if you're making steak. But second of all, <laughs> second of all, invite some people that, that can't pay you back. Maybe it's that annoying person at work. And you're just like, I can't wait to go home because this person drives me nuts. It could be that God wants you to invite them over for a meal or at least for a coffee. I just want you to consider that maybe it doesn't start with the table here at church. Maybe it starts with your table, your lunch table. Those of you that are students. Maybe it starts with your table at the workplace. Maybe it starts with the conversation that you're going to invite somebody into. Because obviously we're not just talking about people that are broken in body. We're talking about all the people that you and I know and are related to that are broken life. And who better to show them they have a place to be healed and made whole than you and I who have gone through the same thing. Wouldn't it be amazing if the message of our lives said to everybody that's been left out, hey, there is room for you here. I want you to know that as there's room for you here, there's room for you with our Heavenly Father. Wouldn't it be great to have a culture here at the Father's house where regardless of people's backgrounds or where they're coming from, they would know you're welcome here. You can belong before you believe. We want to walk you through to healing and wholeness right where you're at. I don't know, maybe you're thinking, well, John, I don't know, what if they don't come? Well, God wants to make people whole at your table. Our community builder discussion question Family, friends, coworkers, neighbors, who are you going to invite? How does God's covenant change how you see others? If he's made an unbroken covenant with us, a broken people, shouldn't we go and do the same? What if you're missional in who you invite to your next dinner, your next barbecue, your next hangout, your house church, your small group? I mean, if we could have a Josh fight, right? For those of you who maybe came a little late, maybe you missed our connect time at at the top of the service, but there was a Josh fight. A guy named Josh 
Swain, who decided, a college student from Arizona, who wanted to get the domain name Josh Swain. He was tired of how many other Josh Swains there was in the world, and he was totally bored to death during the quarantine. And so he said, on this date, which just happened last weekend, next year we're all going to meet in the middle of Lincoln, Nebraska, at this battleground, and we're going to fight to determine who the real Josh Swain is. And hundreds Hundreds of people showed up, absolutely strange, all different sized Joshes. And you know what that tells me? That tells me people are hungry for community. They just want to be invited. They didn't even know this guy. And yet they were willing to battle all these strangers with pool noodles just because it was an opportunity to get together with someone else after a year of isolation and insulation. I'm telling you, we've got this precious moment right here to invite people to the table, just like David did for Mephibosheth, just like Jesus does for us, just like we're going to do right now for communion. Underneath your seat is communion element, and we're going to take this together But before we open it up, before we take communion, I just want an opportunity to pray. I never want us to take communion without making sure every one of us has the opportunity to know the man we're celebrating and what it actually means for eternity. So if we could just take a moment and bow our heads and close our eyes. If you're here right now, and you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You want to know the man that invites you to the table who died and was broken himself so that you could be made whole. If that's you right now, I want to make sure that you don't walk out from here without absolute assurance that if you were to die today, you would be present with Jesus in heaven. You can have that now. If you want to come to know Jesus or come back to him after a long time away, let him heal your brokenness today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Heads bowed and eyes closed so I can agree with you in prayer. Just raise that hand right now. Let me know. I can agree with you. I see that hand. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Just raise that hand right now and say, I want to come back to Jesus. I want to know that love. If you're watching online right now, I know it seems silly, but you just go ahead and raise that hand to the Lord and acknowledge, Jesus, I need you. Anyone else? You can put that hand down. Thank you. I want to ask this. If you're here right now and you know Jesus, but you also know that you've been looking into a broken mirror, and that you need him to heal some broken places in your life, you can invite him to do that right now. But like Mephibosheth, you have to bring it to him. Just come, bring it to him. If that's you right now and you say, yeah, I need some places healed in my life, would you just raise that hand right now and tell the Lord, that's me. I have some broken places I need healed. There's been a lot of tension. Yeah, I see those hands. Thank you all over the room. Again at home, go ahead and raise that hand before the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go ahead and pray together if you would repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my sin and my shame upon yourself. I need your forgiveness. I can't earn it. 
I don't deserve it, but I receive it. Thank you for rising again that I can have eternal life and a full life right here and right now. I bring you my brokenness and I receive your healing at every place of false identity. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just celebrate that right now? Thank you, Lord.